Welcome to episode number three of Talking Mopars. On today's episode, we're going to talk about what a Mopar is, where Talking Mopars got its name, the Challenger turning 50, a little whoopsie-daisy mistake on the assembly line, another awesome listener story, Project Car of the Week, and we're going to take a look back at the 1970 Dodge Challenger. We've kicked the tires, now let's light the fires. I am your host, Chris Albrecht, better known as the Mopar Hunter, and this is Talking Mopars. You're listening to Talking Mopars with the Mopar Hunter, your direct connection to all things Mopar. We are turning and burning here on episode number three of Talking Mopars, and let's get right into it. What is a Mopar? I realize that not everybody who listens to this show is actually a Mopar enthusiast. You know, we've got We've got some creepers. (laughs) We've got Ford guys, Chevy guys, import guys. This podcast is for everybody. And I want to bring you into the Mopar fold if you aren't already. If you're not familiar with Mopars and what the word Mopar actually means, let me fill you in. Mopar is a combination of the words motor and parts. It was first used in the 1920s and in 1937 would be used for the first time on actual products starting with cans of antifreeze. It evolved into a term of endearment used by Mopar enthusiasts to describe cars that fell under the Chrysler umbrella. So think Chrysler, Dodge, Plymouth, AMC, Jeep, Ram trucks, and now Fiat and the brands associated with Fiat. Mopar now is a registered trademark used by FCA as a resource for covering parts, accessories, service, and warranties. So you're going to go to the dealership and you're going to see Mopar service, you know, Mopar accessories and things like that. As it relates to this podcast, for the most part, Mopar is going to refer just to the the generality of the cars. So when I say Mopar, I'm talking about Dodge, Plymouth, Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, all those. But it's important that I explain to people that are outside the Mopar world, like your Chevy, Ford guys, your import guys, that, you know, you're here now, let's learn a little bit. You know, if you keep listening to this podcast, I promise you, you're going to learn some stuff and you're going to probably figure out that, hey, Mopars are pretty cool. You know, maybe you came here because you hate Mopar and you're like, let me see what this jerk's all about. Let me see what he's talking about. And you're here now and you're like, oh, he doesn't sound like a bad guy. And you're hearing a couple cool things and you're like, oh, that's kind of interesting. You know, if you've said, if you listen to this podcast and you've said it to yourself, oh, that's kind of interesting, then I've got you. Got you. So go ahead and put that Chevy or that Ford or that import up for sale and start looking for a Mopar. Let's shift gears here a little bit. Let's talk about something that I've been meaning to talk about and I really haven't had a chance to get to it. So let's talk about it right now. The name Talking Mopars. So when I decided that, you know, maybe I should do a podcast. This was about a year ago. That's when I really started considering it. Because before that, it was like, oh, that would be kind of fun. But I never really took it seriously until about a year ago. So I started thinking about, you know, what I wanted the show to be, what it was for, and what I what I really wanted to develop it into. I tossed around some names. Direct Connections, a segment or an addition of this show, was actually the original name that I had come up with along with. Hustle stuff. I was going to, I had the Hustle Stuff podcast. I, 
you know, was running through some names in my head and I thought if people look up or see, you know, a Mopar podcast, they might just brush over something that says the Hustle Stuff podcast because maybe they're not familiar with the term Hustle Stuff and how it relates to Mopars from back in the day. And with direct connections, I know that people do associate direct connection with Mopar, but, you know, maybe somebody new wouldn't necessarily understand the reference. So I was like, I need a name that's general enough where if somebody was just glancing through and they saw the name of the podcast, they'd go, oh, I know exactly what that's about because it's in the name. So when you see Talking Mopars, you go, oh, you're not going to say, what's that podcast about? Hey, we're Talking Mopars. Simple. So I had the name. I started looking into buying a domain and basically getting the plan together for executing the launch of the podcast. And I, like I said on a couple episodes ago, I am a podcast fan. I listen to a lot of podcasts, especially automotive podcasts. And it was almost like fate because at the time I was developing the idea for this podcast, I wanted to hear what other people in the Mopar community were talking about um, on these episodes. And I found out that Uncle Tony DeFeo, I don't know if you know who Uncle Tony is, but he runs a page on Facebook called Uncle Tony's Garage, and he's got a YouTube channel. His content is awesome. I think Tony is hilarious. He is funny. And I've been watching his videos for a long time, but I never knew he had a podcast. So when I found out he had a podcast, I listened and I enjoyed it a lot because he was talking about Mopars. Naturally, I was like, finally, somebody talking about Mopars a lot. Cool. And then in the back of my mind, I was like, well, that kind of defeats the purpose of me doing a podcast because I didn't realize there was already a podcast out there about Mopars. On one hand, I was a little bummed out. On the other hand, I was like, sweet, I can save myself a bunch of work and just listen to his podcast. So as I was listening, he mentioned that he was going to do a podcast with Dave Ray from DB Restorations, formerly of Graveyard Cars, and they were going to call it Talking Mopar, Talking Mopars. And I was crushed. I was crushed because I thought, oh, well, there goes that idea. (laughs) Even if I wanted to start it, I was like, I'd have to come up with a completely different name. And when I get my sights set on something, you know, I'm committed. I was really bummed that I couldn't use the name anymore. But I kept listening and I was like, all right, you know, let's just listen and see what it's all about. Well, that podcast never came because Tony decided that his audience was better suited for YouTube. So he actually stopped doing the podcast, which opened the door for myself. So I actually reached out to Tony and I asked him if it would be okay, since I was going to start a podcast, if I could use the name that he originally intended to use with his podcast with Dave Ray. And he actually gave me his blessing. So Uncle Tony, thank you very much. For all of you listening out there, if you like to watch YouTube videos, uh, if you're ever on Facebook and you see the videos pop up, Give Uncle Tony a chance. This guy is hilarious and he's super knowledgeable. He knows so much about Mopars, far more than I know. So he's a great resource if you want to watch some videos and, you know, get a get a chuckle or a laugh. You can look him up at Uncle Tony's Garage on YouTube and Facebook. So go give him a follow, subscribe, like his content. He's a good guy. You know, I, I do thank him very much for allowing me to use the name because I'm not a jerk. You know, I wouldn't take the name, you know, without consulting him about it first. Because if he would have said, I may, that may be a project I want to work on in the future, 
I would have moved on, and I don't know if this podcast would exist if I hadn't been given the green light. So, once again, thank you, Uncle Tony. Let's switch gears here and talk about a new challenger that was recently unveiled. So, as you know, in 1970, a new model for Dodge came out, and that was the Dodge Challenger. It changed the game. And now, we're quickly approaching 2020. And now the Dodge Challenger is turning 50. So Dodge is releasing the Challenger 50th Anniversary Edition. This car is what enthusiasts love to see from Dodge. It really shows that Dodge is embracing the enthusiast culture. The Challenger is only going to turn 50 once. So this car is going to be highly collectible. If I was you and I had the money, I would go out and order one now. So let's break down the car a little bit. The 50th anniversary edition of the Dodge Challenger is going to come in seven colors, including four new colors. Those new colors are Gold Rush, Frostbite, Hell Raisin, and Cinnamon Stick. The wheels and all badging will be gold school finished, which is like gold chrome. The shaker scoop on these cars will be body colored, which is pretty cool. You're going to have 50th anniversary edition badges all over the car, designating it as the 50th anniversary special edition. And they're all going to be in that gold school hue that I was just talking about. They're all going to have a satin black hood, and that is going to be painted. But the roof and the deck lid will be wrapped in satin black. Interior accent stitching on leather seats with suede inserts with 50 embroidered in them. There's going to be real carbon fiber accents on the interior with white gauges that have yellow accents. A total of 1,960 of these cars are going to be produced. 70 in each color and in all four trim packages. These packages are going to start at for the lowest trim, up to $5,995 for the highest trim. Now, keep in mind, the Challenger will never turn 50 again. Like I said, these are going to be highly collectible. Ordering for these cars starts in December for a spring shipment, so get to your local Dodge dealer and order today. You know, these are going to get ordered up really quick, and you're probably going to see some on eBay for an exuberant amount of money. You know, that's what, there's some people out there that see these types of cars and they go, oh, cha-ching, and they go and buy these cars, and then next thing you know, they're on eBay for double the price or something ridiculous. So, if you really want one of these and you have the ability to get one, go to the Dodge dealer and order one today. That way, you have it first, and you can be the first owner of a 50th anniversary edition Dodge Challenger. Switching gears again. Recently, the NHTSA, the National Highway Traffic and Safety Administration, issued a recall for 173 Dodge vehicles manufactured between the end of May and September of 2019. These include 62 Dodge Challengers and 111 Dodge Chargers, built with an incompatible front wheel and brake package. The package just does not allow adequate tire clearance and has the potential to cause rubbing of the inner sidewall of the tire and the steering knuckles. So dealers and owners will be notified around December 13th to get that fixed. What a whoopsie daisy. You know, whoopsie daisy. Let's get that fixed because this is not a good look. I'm glad that I was not on the production line when that happened because I don't know if it's quality control. I don't know if it's recreational use of marijuana in Canada. Did I say that? Oh, sorry. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Hey, Dodge is going to get this fixed. You're going to be taken care of. And if you own one of these vehicles, you will be notified. So, sit tight. We'll get you all patched up and back on the road. 
It's time to shift gears once again on the show, and we're going to go ahead and get into the listener story of the week. This story comes from Andy Tance. Andy shared this story with me about the Bristol Speedway Superbird, and I think it's a fun story, so let's get right into it. Back in 1989, I was working at a restoration slash flipper shop in Canton, Georgia. One day, we received the original Bristol Speedway Superbird from an auction. After tuning it up, it needed a test drive. So for lunch, five of us jumped in the Superbird and took off towards Commerce. Once we got on I-75, Steve decided to jump on the bird and got it up to 110 fairly quickly. Then the weaving started, and things started getting scary real fast. Doing around 100 miles per hour, the car literally walked across a full lane before Steve decided to slow it down. When Steve tried to turn around on the freeway, he pulled into a pile of mud, and we started to bog down. So he floored it. All we could hear was clods of mud bouncing off the car as we slowly got the car turned around and headed back to the shop. When we got back to the shop, the bird looked like a jeep that had been in the swamp. It was pretty nasty. After we sprayed it down, Steve looked at the front end and found the driver's side stabilizer link was gone, and the torsion bars were cranked almost as far as they could go. Needless to say, the front end was shot on the car. The owner never knew about this catastrophe. I believe he sold it the following week. That's what we call an almost quick trip to the unemployment line. What a story. That could have ended a lot worse, let's be honest. I mean, wow. I was really entertained by the story because I could relate to Andy because if I had the opportunity, I probably would have done the same thing. Only my luck would probably be, (laughs) I probably would have wrecked the thing. And not only would I have been looking for a tow truck in the phone book, but I would have been looking for a new job as well because I probably would have been fired. Let's drop a gear and disappear as we shift gears into Project Car of the Week. This week's project car I thought was reasonably priced with room for negotiation, and it runs and drives. That's always good. (laughs) If you ask me, when I look at project cars, a very big selling point to me is running and driving. Because I don't know about you, but when I buy a project car, if I can't drive it home, there is a little bit of, how can I put this? In my head, I'm like, God, I really wish I could have drove this thing home. That would have made this experience so much better. But there is also the side that, like, when I bought my 69 Dodge Dart and I towed it home, I remember looking in the rearview mirror and seeing it on the trailer, and I remember thinking, God, I can't wait to drive that thing. Can't wait. It's been four years, but that's okay. That's a story for a different time. This Roadrunner, to me, is a great foundation for somebody that wants to get into a project, but wants to be able to enjoy it at the same time. I'm looking at the car and thinking to myself, if I could get this thing for, you know, 12000 13000 that's a deal. To me, anything, anything under twenty grand these days for something running and driving, that to me is a good deal. I know that sounds crazy. It sounds crazy coming out of my mouth. I think it sounds crazy. But I... I've seen thousands of these cars, and I know the prices aren't getting cheaper. I mentioned that before. So if you can get into one of these for less than $20,000 running and driving, I think that depending on the car, of course, you know, because there are some complete rot boxes out there that run and drive. Don't ask me how. But I think that it's a decent buy. You know, because I've said this before, 
I don't need a car that is a show car. I just want something fun for me to drive. I don't need people to polish my knob when I go get gas telling me how beautiful the car is. I just want to I just want to be happy behind the wheel. That's all I care about. So with this car, I see a lot of potential here. It's a 70, great year for the Roadrunner. It's running and driving. It's got a big block in it, you know, and it I don't see a VIN number or a fender tag or anything in in these pictures, but I'm going to go ahead and assume that it, it is a real RM car. The car looks like it has good bones. If it runs and drives, send it. Send it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It looks like a good start to a project. Because you can drive it and enjoy it while you're going through it. That's fun. To me, that's fun. I would love to get this car. So if this guy's listening to this podcast, hey. Chris at TalkingMopars.com. <laughs> oh, wait. It's, it's numbers matching, right? Oh, it's not? Oh. Ooh. Oh, it's not the original. Oh, it's been repainted? Oh. Okay. Ooh. Ooh, it looks... Ooh, we're going to need some... Oh, we're going to need some frame rails. Ooh. Ooh. Trunk. Ooh. Ooh. Headliner's falling down. Ooh. Hmm. You know, after looking at it, <laughs> after getting a closer look, thinking more like nine. Yeah, yeah, uh, maybe, hmm, oh, and then I gotta, uh, you think this thing will make it home? I gotta drive all the way back to Washington, you know what I mean? Ooh, hmm, probably safer if I trailered it, and that costs a little bit of money, too. Uh, oh, I see the, oh, the floor pan, oh, man, the floor pan needs to be changed, too, uh, Hmm. Yeah, it looks like this thing is not original. Hmm, not a survivor. Hmm, not a barn find. Hmm. I'll give you 2000 <laughs> That was a joke, folks. A lot of people, what they do when they go to look at these cars is they start bashing the car. Not a good way to go about things. Look, the seller is not your enemy. And it does you no good to beat up on a car, you know, to try to knock the price down. I think if, here's a tip. If you're going to look at a car, think of the seller as your friend. Okay, because guess what? No enemy will ever give you a good deal. But if you go, you approach the seller in a nice way, a respectable way. You know, I was just talking about that on social media with somebody where, you have to, there has to be a mutual respect between a buyer and a seller, regardless of car, regardless of price. You know, d- hey, if you don't want to be respectful, don't even go look at the car. Because guess what? If you come to me, if I'm selling a car and you come to me disrespectful, you're not getting anywhere, especially in the car I'm selling. <laughs> so approach with an open mind, be respectable, you know, be respectful, and you're going to get a lot farther that way. If you want a better deal on the car, you know, I here's where my opinion gets a little foggy because I do think it's important to start low and then work your way up. I always like to promote having a number in your mind. I call it a hard out. You need a hard out. Like if this car is 16000 and I only want to pay, let's just say 9000 Right, that's seven thousand dollars in negotiation. 
it's going to take a while. You can't just go up there and just chop the guy in half right away. You got to look at the car. I like to gauge the seller a little bit. Like, what do you really want to get out of the car? You know, say the guy wants 16000 and, you know, he goes, uh, I really, you know, I'm asking sixteen. There's a little wiggle room. I could probably take 15000 And in your mind, you have $9,000 in your pocket. So this is where things get interesting. You're going to have to figure out a way to get him to come down a lot farther. Now, this doesn't always work out. You know, when you're trying to chop a guy in half, <laughs> that's a big reach. Maybe, you know, this doesn't work every time, but it works some of the time. I've bought like my little D100. I chopped the guy in half with his price and I drove it home. <laughs> that was, you know, that was a kind of a tough negotiation, but not really because I told him flat out, look, this is what I got. I'm willing to come look at it, but I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to waste my time. So, if this isn't even something, if this number is something that you wouldn't even entertain, then I shouldn't even come out. And he said, come out. So I was like, ooh, gotcha. <laughs> but um, that deal was actually really good because I said, I have this amount of money, but I'm only buying it if I can drive it home. So it worked out for me and it worked out for the seller because he was done with it and, you know, I was ready to buy it because I really liked it. And I'll talk more about my project truck my little 76 d100 on a future episode but getting back to this roadrunner and buying and selling project cars you see negotiations on tv and i don't need to name the person who does this negotiating because it happens a lot a lot of these reality shows they show these unrealistic negotiations i, I question how much editing is really involved in these shows because i've never seen anybody make deals like that in real life as far as walking up going, oh, you want 20 grand? Mm, I'll give you two. And then the guy goes, oh, no way, can't do that. And then they end up negotiating for like 3,000. It's like, hey, <laughs> where does that happen at? Do I, do I need to move to Texas? Do I need to move to Dallas? Anyways, there is a right way and a wrong way to negotiate. And I think if you just explain to the seller where you're coming from and you're respectful, you're going to get a lot farther. You might not get it for the price you want, but it's also okay to walk away from a car. And here's another tip. If you don't end up coming to terms with a deal, if you don't come to a good deal, mutually beneficial, then it's okay to bring a, I always say, make business cards. Make business cards with your name and number. Write the date and your offer on this card and hand it to the guy. Because you never know how many people are going to try to come out and buy the car. If you leave and he gets three more people and they're chopping him worse than you did, he might go, okay, three out of the four people that came out and looked at this car offered less than that fourth guy. And I have his card in my hand. I'm going to give him a call. And you know what? Apparently, I overvalued the car. I'm going to go ahead and sell it to him for the better price. So you have to look at things like that. Be positive. You know, don't end things on a bad note, especially if you want the car. If you're frustrated that the guy's not budging, put your number on a business card, like the number you want to buy it for on a business card, and give it to him. Let him sit on it. And make sure it's not just a piece of junk business card. Make a business card that stands out a little bit, you know, so that 
He won't forget you. That's the thing. You got to be memorable to these people. Folks, I realize that we've gone off the rails a little bit here. (laughs) So let me just reiterate my tips. First, have a hard out. Have a price in your mind, your walk away price. If you can't get to that, walk away. Tip number two, have a business card. Put all the information needed and give it to the seller so that if they decide, you know, maybe that wasn't a bad offer after all, they have your information and they can give you a call back. Number three, be respectful. Nobody ever got a good deal from an enemy. So build that rapport, build a friendship, and be sincere. You know, don't be, don't be fake about it. You know, just be respectful. And, you know, find common ground. Common ground is huge in sales. But I think this topic of buying and selling cars and tips and tricks, I think it's a standalone episode. So let's go ahead and stop here and continue this talk on a future episode of Talking Mopars. For now, let's go ahead and get back on the rails and switch gears and get ready to close this baby out. And let's talk about, you know, earlier we talked about the 50th anniversary challenger that's coming out in spring. I've always believed that to know where you're headed, you've got to know where you've been. So with the 50th anniversary of the Dodge Challenger approaching fast, let's take a look back at the fall of 1969 when Dodge introduced the Challenger for the 1970 model year. The Challenger was based on the new e-body platform alongside with the Plymouth Barracuda. Now you're probably thinking, hold on Mopar Hunter, hold on Chris, I thought the Barracuda was an A-body. It was, until 1970, when Chrysler Corporation introduced this new e-body platform, and the Plymouth Barracuda sat alongside the Challenger on that platform. So, although they had subtle differences, well, Maybe, I mean, I guess subtle is kind of a, because there was a two-inch difference in wheelbase. The Challenger was actually a little bit longer than the Barracuda, and there was some other details. Okay, look, let me just explain this. The vehicles that are spotlighted on this podcast, you know, for some episodes, we're just peeling back the top layer of these Mopars. So, you know, I'm not an encyclopedia, and we don't have enough time to get that deep into this stuff. Okay. I said, I said that this podcast, we would take a weekly deep dive into the world of Mopars. But I didn't say what end of the pool we're, I mean, we're diving deep into the shallow end, okay? There's a deep end of this pool, and if you want to get down there, you got to do that on your own, because I'm not a lifeguard, okay? <laughs> so, really, if you are interested in any of these cars, go do some digging and research on your own. Really do the research. I mean, you could literally spend hours upon hours going over all the details of each model of these cars. That's how many, you know, facets. And God, like I think about, I think about some cars and like I'll be doing research on something because I find it interesting. And five hours later, I'm like, oh my God, I still really, I'm I'm still, (laughs) there's so much still left to learn. So I think that's really fun for me. I just don't have that much time. So if you're like me, you know, just take it take it a little bit at a time. And there's some guys out there and gals. I know there's girls out there that know more than me, and that's fine. 
I like that. Come, come on the show. Let's talk. <laughs> you know what I mean? But if you want to learn more, just go out there and do the research. We're just covering the basics here. I can't do all the work for you. Come on. <laughs> Let's be realistic. But it's okay. You go do that research and you come on the show and talk to me about, you know, the 38 hours you did researching, you know, 1967 Barracudas. That's awesome. I'll talk to you all day about it. You teach me something, okay? <laughs> but let's get back on track. Here, we went off the rails again. You guys let me do this every time. You let me get off the rails. Nobody says, hey, Chris, stop for a second. You're going off. How much caffeine have you had? Are you okay? I'm fine. I'm fine. All right, let's get back on topic. So <laughs> the Challenger was just what Dodge needed to come out swinging in 1970 for the pony car wars that were, you know, in my opinion, starting to slow down a little bit. But Dodge said, not so fast. We're not done yet. As a matter of fact, we're just getting started here. <laughs> the Challenger was a hit on the street and at the track. And not just the drag strip either. 1970 was the first year that Dodge offered a TA package for their lineup. And you know that we like some TA. Relax, people. Get your minds out of the gutter. I'm talking about the Trans Am series. The SCCA Trans Am series. The Sports Car Club of America had a Trans Am Racing Series, and in order to be part of it, Dodge had to create a certain amount of cars that fit the criteria for that class of racing. Okay, and I may be, I may be a little bit off on these details, but I mean, who's paying attention, really? <laughs> so, let's get serious again. Dodge offered this TA package, and the TA package was, like I said, a package for entry into Trans Am Racing. It was also available. It had to be a model available for the street, you know, and it was detuned and gosh, <laughs> you know, I'm going off the top of my head here and I'm thinking about these details and I'm like, I could do a whole episode just on the TA Challengers and the AAR Cudas. So I guess I'm just going to skim the surface here a little bit. So the TA package was just one of many different variations of the Challenger one could get in 1970. I will say that it was the only Challenger that you could get with a 340 six pack. Okay, and when I say six-pack, I don't know how much you know about Mopars. You know, we're still getting to know each other here. So I'm just going to pretend like you don't know what a six-pack is. A six-pack, we're just talking about three two-barrel carburetors. You follow me? Or are you are you lost? Uh, uh, yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like the tri-power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so you follow along? All right, good. Okay, shh, let me talk. <laughs> Another interesting detail is that it, the Challenger TA alongside with the Barracuda AAR uh, model was that it was one of the first American cars to have staggered tires with E60 15s in the front and G60 15s out back. That's cool. <laughs> the Challengers could also be ordered in several pack. I mean, gosh, here we go again. We're going off the rails again, folks. Don't say I didn't warn you. So... There were so many different ways you could build one of these cars. If you walked into a dealership, you know, and you're like, I kind of want to, let me just order one of these. I mean, I couldn't imagine what it would be like ordering one of these cars because there's so many different, I mean, you got the base model, RT model, SE, RTSE, the Challenger Deputy. You know, you could get a convertible. You know, not all packages were available in convertibles. You could not get a TA convertible. I'll just say that. Gosh, <laughs> I'm frying my brain right now just thinking about all this because I'm like, gosh. I don't know if I can cover all this, and I'm not intending to cover all of it, but I'm like, you know, what's the most important things that I can cover about this car? <laughs> um, 
Okay, okay, here. So as far as engines go, you know, take your pick. What do you want? You could get everything from the tried and true slant six all the way up to the elephant, the 426 cubic inch Hemi. Is any hold on. Here we go. Off the rails again. <laughs> Doesn't it just sound cool to say Hemi? I mean, sometimes I'm just like, you know, if you say, you know, someone goes, hey, what kind of engine you got in that thing? What's under the hood? And you go, oh, you know, hear me. It just, <laughs> it comes out like tough, <laughs> you know, like, oh, yeah, it's just got a little hear me in it. <laughs> like what? And like even in that commercial, <laughs> the dumb commercial, like that thing got a hemi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's got a hemi. <laughs> it's just, it's, uh, I'm being, I'm being stupid. <laughs> so you, okay, where were we? Oh yeah, slant six all the way up to the hemi. You got options, people. You got, you got options. And like I said, it was just a car that you really could have built to your specific needs. And you could also look good doing it because in 1970 there were some new high impact paint colors. And those new hues were, how many were there? Let's see. For 1970, this is 1970 new editions. Let's go FY1, top banana. That's yellow. FJ6, sassy grass green. FJ5, sublime. FM3, panther pink. And, I mean, of course, the infamous FC7, plum crazy. I'm trying to think in my head, am I missing any? I don't think I'm missing any. I'm sure there's somebody out there right now just beating their radio going, this guy, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, if I missed any, please let me know. Um, I'm a little tired now. It was, it was early, but I had to, I had to stop the podcast and go take care of some grocery shopping. And I came back to record this last part. <laughs> so it's a little late here in good old Washington. Um, the wife and kid are asleep. And I'm here staring at a computer screen. Anyways, let's so off the rails. So off the rails. That's okay. The classic Challenger lasted until 1974, and that classic styling wouldn't reemerge until 2008 when Dodge reintroduced the Challenger. When Dodge came back out with the Challenger, I was. Oh, man. Like I'm reminiscing right now in my head. I just remember, I think it was Motor Trend Magazine. And I saw it for the first time, and I was like, oh, my God. It was one of the most beautiful cars, as far as modern cars go, that I had ever seen. I think, it, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and say it was. When the Challenger came back out, it was the most beautiful modern car I'd ever seen. Because that's how big of a fan I was of the 1970s. And just looking at the car, it was just like, you know, if you took a 1970 Dodge Challenger and you took a 2008 Dodge Challenger and you parked them next to each other, they were so, the styling was so dead on. It was extremely reminiscent of the original, but modernized. And I would be confident in saying that as far as uh, modern muscle car renditions of classic muscle cars go, Dodge really hit the nail on the head with the modern Challenger. And, you know, it's still going strong to this day. All the way into 2020 for the 50th anniversary. You know, there's got to be something said about that. You know, good job, job. Uh, good job, job. J good job, job. Good job. <laughs> good job, Dodge. You know, we're taking this baby home. I'm tired. I'm going to bed. You know, tomorrow's Sunday. 
let's close it out with saying that just over 83,000 1970 Challengers were were sold. The Challenger remains an American muscle car icon to this day. Okay, that wraps up episode three. We did it, folks. It was... That last, what was it? Let's see here. That seven minutes was rough. Actually, I think it was more like ten minutes. Oh, man. That was a ten-minute diatribe of me spewing Mopar stuff out of my mouth. I am sorry. I apologize. No, I don't. I don't apologize for anything. I'm unapologetic when it comes to my passion for Mopars. And that's why I'm here talking to you when I could be asleep. So now that we've gone fully off the rails, let me just say thank you once again to everybody for listening to the show. If you have any good Mopar stories, please send them in, share them with me, and I will share them with the world on this podcast, because guess what? We've gone worldwide. What do you mean, worldwide? Yes, worldwide. Let me just name some countries here. Obviously, America, Canada, Mexico, Brazil, Germany, Denmark, Sweden, Norway, Australia, New Zealand, um, I'm trying to think of the other ones, Holland, so the Netherlands, um, I think that's it. Oh, there was one guy in Antarctica, I think he was uh, streaming live. <laughs> that's it, folks. Thank you for joining me on episode number three. I am your host, Chris Albrecht, and that was Talking Mopars. Thank you for listening to Talking Mopars, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Until next time, remember, no Mopar left behind.